in several times in my life, I've done things without a great deal of planning, but just following an impulse or a, or a passion. And I, in the course of teaching, I think I taught five years, I saw just about every art film and, and good film. And, and the 70s were such an amazing period Incredible. for both European and American filmmaking that I just wanted to do that. And I had no clue what kind of movies to make. And I just went to New York to learn how to do it. And beyond that, I didn't have a plan. And welcome back to the Faculty of Horror, podcasting from the hard halls of academia. I'm Alex West with... Andrea Subisati. And surprise, we are back. I wish we were back this month with a happier reason, but I am glad we're doing this. This is going to be a bit of a mini episode. And some people wrote in to us and asked about it, and we posted about this on our social media channels. And a lot of people reacted very strongly to this, so... We felt that it was important to do at least a small tribute to the writer and director, Wes Craven, who very suddenly and very sadly passed away at the end of August. Right. I mean, very suddenly to us. I don't, if he had been sick for a while, they really kept it under wraps, which on the one hand, I understand and respect people's need for privacy. But on the other hand, when I actually found out about this, a friend of mine had confused Wes Craven with Clive Barker. So I got a text that, oh, Clive Barker's dead. And I was like, oh, Jesus, fuck, you know, he was really sick. That's terrible. It's a tragedy. And then when I found out it was Wes Craven, then you've got shock on top of the grief. It's a really huge loss to horror. So we wanted to take the time to talk about it. Yeah, I've been working on a bigger project outside of the podcast. I'd taken a break one night from working on this, and, and I'll talk more about it soon. But um, I'd taken a break from it, and I watched this comedy movie, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And I went on Facebook, and the first thing I saw was a picture of Wes Craven and R.I.P. on it. And I went on Twitter, and I had my Facebook open, and I just kept refreshing, hoping that someone would be like, oh, whoops, it's a hoax. And I just remember sitting very quietly by myself, and... You don't think about these people passing away, but you know they will. And there was something so troubling to me about his passing that we posted a bunch. I posted a bunch on my personal social media about his impact on me. So I think we'd like to take a little bit of time to talk about what Wes Craven meant to Andrea and I. I strongly feel that horror fans of just about any generation, if you appreciate the genre, the death of Wes Craven, if you looked back on Last House of the Left, if you grew up in the 80s and the more slasher generation with Nightmare on Elm Street, or even if you're a newer fan of horror and you love the meta self-referentialness of the Scream series and Wes Craven's new nightmare, there's, there's a lot to appreciate for just about any horror fan. And what struck me when all the tributes and personal memories and people talking about his passing was that everyone had a different take on Wes Craven. And I think that is such a testament to his body of work. You know, obviously there are people who love Nightmare on Elm Street. There are people who love Scream. But it was also, yeah, Last House on the Left, The Hills Have Eyes, The People Under the Stairs, even A Vampire in Brooklyn. All of these movies have continued to impact us 
for generations. I mean, I have a hard time thinking of another genre director who has been so impactful across three to four decades. And there is so much that he did for the genre. And for me personally, one of the first horror movies I ever got into was Scream. And for anyone who listened to the Rue Morgue podcast, I was on there for three episodes. I did the horror court with Stuart, and I defended Scream, I think, for upwards of six hours. So I know he's slowly reposting those episodes. So hopefully they're back up again in some format. If you want to hear me talk about Scream, there you go. But I did want to talk about this one moment, which just changed the way I watched horror movies, because Scream was one of, I'd say, the first real horror movies I watched. And I was 11 when it came out in 96. And I watched it, and I loved movies at that time. And I was always interested in the macabre and horror. And Sidney Prescott, as a final girl, is so incredible. The The journey that Sydney takes in that film is inverting the entire final girl trope. She is seemingly sexual. She's interested in sex. She's kind. She has good friends some of the time. And um, she has a really tragic backstory where her mother was raped and murdered a year before the events of Scream. And then at the end of the film, when the killers are revealed, she is a final girl, takes the weapon, which in this case is the gun, shoots the killer in the head and says, not in my movie. And for anyone who knows that film, and especially as a woman, you don't see a female take control of the narrative in that kind of way. And that moment has stuck with me throughout my entire career. And I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Final Girls. And I don't think there was ever anyone as successful as Sydney in that film because she doesn't drop her weapon at the end. She isn't saved by a man. In fact, she saves men by her actions. And, you know, it's interesting when you look at the rest of the Scream movies, they kind of just replay that throughout the rest of the series. And I think what's really important to take away is that as amazing as Sydney is, she's never been replicated in that way. They didn't even know how to replicate her and carry on her story. So they kind of had her keep doing the same thing over and over again. And again, to Nancy on Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's daughter was a huge influence on having a smart and capable young woman who would set traps. And, and Wes Craven has been very open about his intentions for the ending of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which were that they got a happy ending. They beat the monster and they got to go live a happy, healthy life. But of course, New Line wanted sequels, so they couldn't have that. And I really love what Wes Craven did in New Nightmare. And it's not a perfect movie, but the ambition of it, the heart of it, is really, really unique. And I think that is something that's so special about Wes Craven's film is the heart he has behind it, the belief in humanity he has behind it. And I think that some of his faults as a filmmaker might be due to over-sincerity. He just cared about his people. He cared about these characters and these worlds. He was a very thoughtful filmmaker. He was a gentleman and a scholar in addition to a filmmaker. He has a prolific academic background, and I feel like that really shows in his body of work. There's such complexity. We haven't really tackled a Wes Craven film on the Faculty of Horror yet, but anything we did, I'm sure, would be a two- or three-parter. In fact, A Nightmare on Elm Street, that movie is very near and dear to my heart. It is so blisteringly creative. It introduces one of the most iconic horror villains to 
ever grace the genre. Freddy Krueger is my jam. I love him. I love the dream sequences that allowed him to really spread his wings creatively and create these situations and scenarios that are totally unreal and unbelievable. But anyone who has ever experienced insomnia, when you're watching that movie and you see those kids trying to stay awake, that losing battle, it's really impactful. And I think every movie that he's done is just a little bit different, but always very thoughtful and sincere and full of heart. And I actually remember when Andrea and I were first becoming friends and I went to see a lecture that she did on zombies. Andrea actually had this really incredible take an analysis on The Serpent and the Rainbow. That was another one I saw pop up in the favorites of Wes Craven. I think that film really speaks to some people, but I think it's a really integral movie to the zombie genre that doesn't really get its due ever. It's a silly movie. It has its faults, but again, like we said, just full of heart. And as sad as I am at his passing, when you look at his body of work that he's left behind and this legacy that he's left behind, it's frankly very inspiring. As somebody who considers themselves a horror creative, I'm not making movies, but I'm making podcasts about movies and I write about movies and I like to think that I contribute to the knowledge. He is just so inspiring. So we wanted to do this mini episode to give the master his due. Yeah, and one of the great things, as Andrea was saying, that he is a gentleman and a scholar, is that he was so erudite in his storytelling, and I have seen so many great interviews with him across documentaries, YouTube series. There's a great interview, which you can find on YouTube, that he did with Mick Garris, and then across all the conventions he did. So I've seen him tell the same story multiple times, but with the same glee and the same twinkle in his eyes. And not a lot of people did that. If you guys have ever gone to conventions, you know, there is a look of death in some of those people's eyes who are signing autographs. But from what I saw, Wes Craven just enjoyed being with his fans and enjoyed sharing the discussion with him. And I think that's such a great legacy he has left us beyond his films, but his stories and his insight to them. And if anyone is curious and has not seen it, I don't think I can recommend highly enough the, I think, over four-hour documentary called Never Sleep Again about the entire Nightmare on Elm Street series, which not only deals with Wes Craven's creative process, but also his tumultuous relationship with New Line Cinema, which ultimately got fixed when they green-lighted New Nightmare. So we wanted to take this very mini-episode and talk about the man very briefly because I think we will be dedicating some episodes to him coming up in the future. We have talked about it and he's kind of been on that list we always have going and you want to do him properly but we also want to share that. We also felt that gut punch that I think a lot of us felt when we heard of his passing and we want to celebrate his movies and I can't think of a better way to do that than to continue the conversation. So Keep writing your articles, keep writing your blog posts, keep watching his movies, and enjoy what he's contributed to the genre, because it's so much. And it breaks my heart a little bit that he's gone and that the world is a little less scary, but we have so much to remember him by. That's right. And our sincerest condolences go out to his family. Anyone who he's ever worked with is feeling the loss very deeply. A lot of them have spoken up about it, and I think we're all feeling it, so... Rest in peace. Thank you again, Wes Craven. Thank you again for listening to this mini episode. If you guys have any specific films of his that you'd like us to tackle or have any questions, please drop us a line and we will keep those in mind for future episodes. Until next time.
Office hours are closed. We're standing here by the abyss And the world is a place Two star-crossed lovers reaching out To the beast with many names Hiding here inside the dream 